0: This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all, to a bonus episode of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Friday, June 11th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the insipid ghost, this week joined by guest host, Kevin Ainsworth of Project X-Talk, to discuss the latest in pre-E3 hype and Summer Games Fest. What's up, man?
1: Yo, what's going on? I'm I'm really happy to be here. Uh, You know, as we were talking before the show, I listen every week. Obviously, we had you on project X talk a few months ago at this point probably is back in the early days of the show and the you know we've, we've stayed in touch since then so I'm really excited that you, uh, you gave me the opportunity to come on.
0: Well I'm thrilled that you did come on this is an impromptu episode there was so much news in the pre-E3 hype with Summer Games Fest and then of course Microsoft doing a pre-recorded pre-E3 show that brought some pretty big news there Uh, I felt like we had to do an an early episode, and you reached out, which I'm I'm grateful for. I need to get Aman on as well. I'm just thrilled to have uh, the relationship with you guys that I do. You guys are are regulars in my podcast stream as well, and so I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, Kevin, we've got so much stuff that came out in a pre-E3 presentation, man. Uh, First and foremost, Xbox execs and Microsoft execs, Satya Nadella included, Came out and talked about the future of Xbox. And essentially, what they said in the most simple terms is that we cannot or we do not expect the Xbox Series S and X to be the final traditional console, but Microsoft is continuing to double down on moving beyond it. Did you see anything about this?
1: Yeah, uh, I did see them come out and say that they're still working on hardware. I forget the specific uh, executive that, that said it. I was more interested in the backlash I've seen um, to this whole article. Uh, I don't know if you've you seen it online. People really taking what they said in this briefing and running with it and saying that Xbox is moving into just cloud gaming and away from consoles. And that our Series X's are and S's are being uh, made to be worthless, essentially. And I just cannot subscribe to that.
0: That is a very strange take, to say the least. Now let's fill listeners in on just what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This was Liz uh, Hamron, I believe, speaking. She's the Xbox Corporate VP of Gaming Experiences and Platforms, which is a title that is way too long to say on a podcast. <laughs> uh, and I'm reading a quote from her. This was gathered by Polygon in this case. Uh, Hamron's quote says, Cloud is key to our hardware and Game Pass roadmaps, but no one should think we're slowing down on our core console engineering. In fact, we're accelerating it. We're already hard at work on new hardware and platforms, some of which won't come to light for years. We're working with global TV manufacturers to embed the Game Pass experience directly into internet-connected TVs, so all you'll need to play is a controller. Beyond that, we're developing standalone streaming devices that you can plug into a TV or monitor, so if you have a strong internet connection, you can stream your Xbox experience." Now, there's a lot to break down in that, and it surprises me that people would have backlash to that. Uh, it is all; It has always been the case that local hardware will provide the most optimized experience uh, mm-hmm. to date in terms of the games that we play. No latency, or I should say less latency. Uh, mind you, many of the games we play are online, but it should come as no surprise that Microsoft is working to build a future on TVs, through streaming sticks, and any other devices. They have a lofty goal, Kevin, in reaching, what, 2 billion screens. It seems to me that, that is, this is a great way to do it, and why would we be upset by it?
1: That is really the point I've been trying to drive home. Anytime someone has brought that up in conversation with me, seeing that they're worried that their Series X, you know, what's the point in them buying it when they can just plug in a, a streaming stick that's probably going to cost $100? And I really try to stress that streaming is just another option. It is not mm-hmm. the sole future. It is the future for maybe those uh, low income families that can only afford a TV. And if the app is built in, they don't have to go out and buy the $500 box. They can mm-hmm. just stream it. you know. If and then I, I always stress, it really depends on your internet connection. And they specifically mm-hmm. say that people with good internet can can stream these apps, can get the streaming stick, and then maybe they don't have to spend the five hundred dollars. The hardcore gamers are always going to go out; they're going to buy the five hundred dollar console, the three hundred dollar console. If you get the Series S, they're going to want that local experience built in, and maybe cloud gaming will be something that they they utilize away from the home. You know, on on business trips, uh, on vacations, or mm-hmm. laying in bed late at night. It's, it's those types of experiences and I really do think that they're just trying to bring more options to more gamers that can't afford it.
0: Certainly so. It, it just seems to me like that's absolutely the way of the future. There was a time where I lamented the idea of physical games going by the wayside, where I looked at them and I was like, no, I don't want games to be digital. I, don't, I want to own it and this, that, or the other. And In a very short amount of time, my perspective has changed and with the Uh, release and subsequent failure of Stadia (laughs) with the promise of Luna, with the continued success of of xCloud, it strikes me that this is just a wave of the future and the industry is learning from it. But uh, I I love the idea that it could be there for low-income households, but I also like the idea that it's just there for convenience sake. You're on a business trip, you're downstairs, you're at your friend's house. Any number of these things, you log in and it's at your fingertips. I was actually really encouraged by the idea that they are as a company doubling down uh, on the idea of being invested in gaming for the future, no matter where it is. I mean, having the CEO of a trillion dollar company. We're not talking about Phil Spencer or Sarah Bond. We're talking about Satya Nadella having the King Kong, as it were, of your company there and supporting your brand and your branch. That speaks volumes for Microsoft's dedication in a way that no other gaming company, Nintendo, Sony or otherwise, can currently compete with at that level.
1: No, and I think that lends credibility to Xbox as a brand because we often hear, at least I have, that Microsoft doesn't care about Xbox, that they have all this other, you know, their, their software, uh, Windows, their, their cloud, and that Xbox is just kind of the, the side thing. To, but to have the CEO show up and really, really commit with Phil being like, you no, know, Microsoft believes in Xbox. We understand what the future of gaming is, and we want to shape that through our through Game Pass, through cloud streaming. And I, I think it I think it spoke volumes.
0: I think it absolutely spoke volumes, and I was very encouraged by it. And uh, again, I, I want to be clear about what I just said a minute ago. No other company can compete with the dollar amounts that Microsoft <laughs> is able to throw around. Um, I certainly don't think. Uh, they have necessarily the panache of the pull that Sony has uh, in the gaming industry. And I would actually cite Square Enix as a good example of this. It's pretty well understood that Microsoft uh, threw money Square Square's way yeah. to get a few exclusives and, and missed out there because they didn't want to upset Sony. Uh, and the same can be said for Elden Ring, which is uh, interesting as well. <laughs> Elden Ring is my transition topic there. That was the talk of the town for Summer Games Fest, I watched the presentation hosted by Jeff Keeley uh, and left very impressed and pleased with it overall, as it were. Uh, were you able to watch it live? Did you catch any of it, or did you catch a recap?
1: Yeah, I watched the whole thing live actually um, at work. Don't tell anyone, but I was I was streaming it on my second monitor, so I watched the whole show. It exceeded my expectations. The whole show, certainly, I. I've not always been the biggest supporter of Summer Game Fest just because of last year. I thought it was a little convoluted and all over the place. Certainly. This this stream, however, I thought was a great showing for Jeff Keighley. I think it started strong. I think it had stuff throughout that was really exciting. And then obviously the big reveal with uh, Elden Ring. How could you How could you get better? The internet was ablaze a afterwards.
0: I and, and entirely agree. I was excited but lukewarm i did not necessarily think of this as an e3 thing at first and then two minutes in my mindset completely flipped i was so thrilled and impressed with jeff keely's presentation overall because i like you was a bit tepid at the idea And, and after a very drawn out summer that initially i wanted i wanted that extended coverage of games and then afterwards realized that I was wiped out uh, Mm -hmm. from it. And so I was really pleased overall with this one. Uh, I believe it went a little bit longer than I was expecting. I was expecting perhaps a 90 to 100 minute presentation. It went about two hours uh, with some pacing issues here and there. But overall, absolutely thrilled. Uh, A lot of games stood out and I pulled up a recap uh, from Seasoned Gaming. Uh, mainly so Ainsley Bowden would stop bothering me about using his his website. So yes, I'm here. I guess <laughs> uh, a lot of cool games showcased, a lot of diverse games there. Of course, as one would hope and expect with Mr. Keeley, we saw Hideo Kojima as well. Um, but they kicked off with uh, Tiny t- Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is definitely not just Borderlands in fantasy form.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I think this got leaked, I think it was either end of last week or early this week. So, we kind of knew it was coming. I thought the trailer actually, you know, the names they have attached to the project Mm -hmm. were, you know, Andy Samberg, Will Arnett, Wanda Sykes, Butt Stallion. Um, Mm -hmm. That last one's a joke, but... I'm not the biggest Borderlands fan, but I told my brother about this, who is, and he absolutely is super excited. He loves Tiny Tina. He loved the uh, Dungeon Master DLC with her, so I certainly think that this was a great way to kick off the
0: show. It was a good way to kick off the show, and I will admit to absolutely adoring Borderlands 2 on multiple platforms, including the Vita, dear Xbox listeners, Uh, but... I, I found myself a bit wayward with Borderlands 3. I did enjoy Borderlands Game of the Year collection and somehow just fell off. Uh, and I think it's largely due to, if I'm being honest, Randy Pitchford, which I don't want to get into, but mm. it, it, somehow that made me feel weird. But nowhere to be seen in this presentation. And gotta be honest, I really liked the tone of, of this, and I thought it was a great way to kick off the show. This game looks fun. Yeah, I think
1: it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I, even if you're not a fan of uh, Borderlands, I know Ashley Burch said it was like a... a, a borderlands high take i'm high fantasy and i'm mm-hmm. always here for high fantasy so maybe i'll jump into this one
0: certainly so i'm inclined to agree we also saw uh metal slug tactics which i think a lot of people were really excited for uh, being being they're metal slug uh fans i'm always a fan of tactics games though mm-hmm. i never seem to finish them mm-hmm. um the trailer for this one had a lot of uh, homages to to older things uh anything stand out for you for metal slug tactics
1: Yeah, so I actually, I like tactics games. I beat Gears Tactics uh, when I got my Series X, and I really liked that game. Mm -hmm. So this really kind of brought up those feelings where I was like, wow, this is something I can jump into and enjoy. You know, I I liked Gears Tactics. I don't think we're going to get a second one for a while at least. So this is something I can play in the meantime. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: I am cautiously optimistic because every time I, I jump into a tactic style game i'm like this is great and then i never finish it um war groove and gears tactics both kind of stand in my mind mm-hmm. uh and i'm sure i've got some people screaming that those are not the same types of tactic games but i don't know whatever <laughs> uh, here we are um but a couple other games stood out to me and while it's uh certainly an xbox show i thought it was interesting to see hideo kojima uh up there not because uh, of anything crazy other than we'd heard so many Xbox and Kojima rumors prior to that. Yeah. And then he showed up to showcase Death Stranding director's cut. I continue to respect uh, Hideo Kojima and I continue to be disenfranchised with how eclectic he is despite loving Metal Gear. Um, but this this trailer was at least fun. And I think a lot of uh, PlayStation or Death Stranding fans were at least pleased by it.
1: This was, I think I said it yesterday on our show, um, the most bizarre trailer I didn't I didn't know whether it was meant to be funny or at first I thought it was some sort of Death Stranding Metal Gear crossover. I was like, is Snake gonna be under the box? And I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way. Like that would have been a huge announcement. Uh, but ultimately Death Stranding Director's Kai. I'm I'm not a fan of Death Stranding, so this isn't something for me, but I know there are it does have its fan base. So, you know, good 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 for Hideo Kojima.
0: That was kind of my take as well. I was like, cheers to you guys. Awesome. Happy for you. Uh, And I moved promptly right along. Uh, I talked about weird pacing. That Mm -hmm. trailer certainly had some weird pacing. And then uh, to showcase Jeff Goldblum later on in the show, (laughs) it felt so weird. I love the celebrity cameos as an idea, but in practice, even Ryan Reynolds, who is Deadpool of all great characters, uh, seeing them show up just felt a bit odd.
1: Yeah. I, so I like Jeff Goldblum. I think he's a, a funny guy. I thought he was a little a little weird here, especially when he was pretending not to know how to pronounce Jeff's name. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ryan Reynolds cracks me up, as always, uh, especially when he name dropped Elden Ring. But it was certainly, I think, after, a little after this is when we get into that pacing issue that you were talking about, where there weren't as many big hitters or things that people really care about.
0: I agree. I agree, and that's kind of the odd part is how do you judge or gauge a show, and this is something I'm very curious to watch how Microsoft handles in their show uh, come Sunday uh, at the time of this recording because it'll be a 90-minute show, which is meant to be a little bit shorter. They've also got some heavy hitters, but you do not want a show with all AAA Mm third-person action games. That's just not a healthy show uh, as well, and so it'll be interesting to watch how they manage that. And and in regards to Summer Game Fest, I mean, they filled in the gaps, as it were, by talking about a new publisher in Prime Matter. Uh, They talked about uh, briefly some Among Us contents. They had a few ads in there, which was interesting because in a lot of presentations or conferences, as it were, uh, it's Xbox or Sony or Nintendo spitting money at EA or Activision or anybody else to bring their game to the show. And in this case, with Summer Games Fest, it's kind of the other way. It's like, hey, you can pay me, or uh, I'll put an ad in the show to help fund this thing. It's a very different take on funding a, a summer conference. And I think that's lost on a lot of people when they think about the type of coverage that this show might have.
1: It's definitely lost on me. <laughs> I know that. I didn't... All I saw was I was like, oh, wow, more more Twitch Prime ads. And it, it was... I was like, I, I get it, Jeff. They're probably you know uh, paying you to, to really stress the importance of this or like try to get more people into the Amazon Prime um, ecosystem or the Twitch Prime so you can get those rewards. Um, but that, yeah, it that wasn't wasn't something that I immediately thought of.
0: It's just an interesting take and an, an interesting way to, to showcase it because you got all eyes on you. And so you have a spot that is worth marketing out and selling uh, to companies to make sure you get their games in. By the same token, you're trying to do this for the betterment of the media. Uh, And the medium, I should say, Uh, I think about Elden Ring specifically, and I realize I skipped a few games that I'll go back to uh, that I want to point out, but was regarding Elden Ring, as far as its appearance here, it's pretty well documented or rather I should rephrase that Jeff Grubb, Jason Schreier and several others have cited Mm -hmm. that they were aware that Microsoft courted Elden Ring to be at their conference. They wanted this at their conference, but uh, that money was turned down for fear of upsetting Sony, which is understandable. Um, but more than that, it was more that they didn't want to be associated with one platform or another. And Summer Games Fest is platform agnostic, yep. which I thought is a very interesting way to put that. Because in my mind, I'm like, it, it at first fueled concepts of of uh, console war elements. The idea, oh, they don't want to upset Sony. They don't want to upset Microsoft. But in fact, it was really they, where could they go with a lot of eyes that didn't associate them with one console or another. Uh, and I thought that was a smart move on Elden Ring's part. Um, and it certainly certainly bolstered the the weight of the show. I think had Elden Ring not been there, it would have felt a little bit hollow at the end. Perhaps I'm overstating that.
1: No, thinking? I don't think you're. I don't think you're overstating it. In fact, we saw a tweet from uh, from Jeff Keeley after the the show, and he was like, "What you guys don't know is, uh, you know." they specifically asked to go last because they wanted people to stick around through the entire show. they wanted the eyes on those other games. They didn't just want Elden Ring to start it and then everyone leave. So Mm -hmm. I think it's big props to to Miyazaki, uh, Bandai Namco, the team over there for for putting the trailer last and really getting eyes on all these other titles that people probably would have jumped away after Elden Ring. We probably would have seen a, a deep decline in viewership.
0: I, I am fully inclined to agree with you there and um, to any you know Xbox centric listeners given that we are the expansion pass uh, I certainly re- rec- recognize the need for big games like Elden ring in an Xbox conference. Um, But let's not be too quick to jump. Microsoft did a lot for us in this pre E3 by discussing the fact that they wanted to have major AAA to AA, single A experiences hitting every quarter with regularity uh, from their their studios, Bethesda and Xbox Game Studios overall, with more potential acquisitions on the way. At least that's the rumor at the moment. And I I don't like speaking rumors into fact. I mean more that now typically where there's smoke, there's fire. And when you've got heavy hitters like Schreier. Uh, saying that there's some credence to it to it Uh, so no need for any xbox members to hit the panic button uh, (laughs) at least not in my mind Uh, also there Uh, in addition to publishers uh, like prime matter being announced back for blood has an open beta which is pretty exciting i am very excited for back for blood Uh, i like that genre i'm also looking to aliens fire team which we've not heard anything on but uh, i'm kind of stoked for this new left for dead reincarnation are you a fan
1: Oh yeah, massive fan. I'm I'm super pumped for Back for Blood. Me and all my friends, uh, we were really bummed when it got delayed. I understand they have to do what they have to do. It's going to be a better game for it, but we were looking forward to be playing it in a couple of weeks. I think the original release date was so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Back for Blood certainly one on my radar. I have it bookmarked, ready to ready to play. I my problem is I don't want to pre order. I'm I and this might be a Game Pass um, symptom where I've stopped pre-ordering games because I don't want to pre-order and then have it come to the service.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like Scarlet Nexus, Tales of a Rise. we have those rumors going around where it's going sure. to come to Game Pass. So I was like, well, I'm not going to pre-order it then. Other, uh, Meanwhile, over on my PlayStation, I'm like <laughs> pre-order Ratchet, pre-order Final Fantasy, Cause I I just know that I'm gonna play those games, so I'm gonna get them day one. But this one, it's like I'm gonna either buy it or it's gonna be on Game Pass. But yeah, Back for Blood, super excited. Love Left for Dead, and there was um, there was another game in this conference. Um, The what's it called? Um, It was the space one. Um, It was basically Back for Blood, but in
0: space. Oh, I know what you're talking about, and I will scroll to try and find the title. Um, It's
1: launching on Game Pass. I know that. Um, I saw that as well.
0: But that one looked pretty
1: neat. neat. That one's coming out this summer, and I can't remember the name of it to say I think it starts with an A. I'll scroll
0: scroll and look for it while we're we're chatting, because I'm curious about that one as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. It looked a little um, rough graphically, that game, but the whole concept of just being able to team up with your friends and fight waves of enemies... And you know, figure out strategies for how to deal with difficult situations. I'm I'm all for it. I like the cooperative uh, style games that Left for Dead really inspired. Mm-hmm. And bringing it back to Back for Blood about the the beta, I didn't know that there was a PvP aspect to to Left for Dead or Back for Blood. I did. I learned that yesterday.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a really fun mode of Left 4 Dead too. And the title of the game you're thinking of, I believe, is the Anacrusis? Yes, that is it. Yeah, I've heard good things about that since its announcement about its AI uh, and its playability. I think a lot of people went hands on prior to the show, like like industry people. Mm. Um, and cheers to them. That game does look like a lot of fun, and I like the 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 honesty when it comes to the idea of whether or not you should pre-order games. That's been a that's long been a discussion prior to even Game Pass. And I would say go with your gut, really and truly. It we do know that a lot of these Game Pass deals come out very late i'm thinking about outriders right now yeah that was made in the weeks leading up to its launch not the months so there's no reason that you can't cancel a pre-order this is to you or any other listener of course uh or just wait just wait you can pre-order up to the hour before a game launches if you're not if you're worried about bonuses or perks um but i completely understand wanting to pre-order just to feel like you're invested in the game i've done (laughs) that many a time yeah in this case uh you know Maybe wait, maybe wait. Maybe Back for Blood does come to Game Pass, though I will tell you, I don't feel like it would. I don't I feel no like knowledge. it will
1: either, which leads me to leads me to want to pre-order it so I can get in the beta. I don't I just don't see them launching it in Game Pass for some reason.
0: There's I can't I cannot blame you in the slightest. Uh, in the slightest. Uh, plenty of other games were showcased here, including interviews with Far Cry 6 content. Uh, I thought Endless Dungeon looked really cool, but uh, Evil Dead surprised me. I have no love for Evil Dead as a franchise, nor any disenfranchisement. I don't think it's bad at all. However, I gotta say, that game looks remarkably impressive uh, and far better than just a licensed knockoff.
1: Yeah, so much like you, I don't have any love or or disdain for the Evil Dead. Uh, I... I know nothing about it. I know the, well, I shouldn't say I know nothing. I know pictures and the main character's name, but it's not something that I can look back on fondly and be like, oh, I really like that. So when they showed this, I, I was first trying to figure out what type of game it was. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's lost on me, but in my mind, this game plays like uh, Dead, Dead by Daylight or Friday the 13th.
0: 100% when I got out of it as
1: well. Okay. Now, I really liked both of those games. I did fall off them after a few weeks, but they are a lot of fun, especially if you get friends together uh, for private lobbies. Uh, you know, who doesn't like killing your friends? But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I yeah, this, this game looked uh, looked intriguing, definitely better than I thought it was going to look.
0: Yeah, at a quality far higher than I expected. And, and you're right, it does have Dead by Daylight vibes, uh, which a lot of times when I see stuff like that, I think about with a game like Dead by Daylight where they put other franchises in, why not just include it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, I realize that that's not a business reality. That's just me being you know, a fan and thinking, why not just do it together? <laughs> um, which is, is funny in and of itself. Uh, but, I mean, the game you know, at a quality I was uh, not necessarily expecting when I saw the title. Uh, And that really leads us to Elden Ring, which was the big one. It was the heavy hitter. We mentioned that they held off to the end. Uh, A lot of people really thrilled by it. I know... Uh, Joseph Moran over at the trophy room. Who's a total jerk and no one should ever listen to his show ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I listened to him weekly too. <laughs> uh,
0: he sucks. He sucks. He's the worst. Oh goodness. By the way, I'm streaming with Joe, the Xbox conference to anybody that's listening. The PS Switch <laughs> <the> channel. <laughs> um, he still sucks. Nonetheless, he was thrilled by it. I am not a Soulsborn player. Lords of the fallen and Jedi fallen order are as far as I've gone into that genre. I, it's just not for me. Uh, this trailer didn't really do much for me, but, and I and I say this, I want everyone to stick with me, I was thrilled by it, and I'm so happy for my fans that are in the Soulsborne genre. This game looks incredible. Uh, I don't think it hits a January release date, but that's a different discussion. What are you thinking?
1: So I I don't want to sound like I disagree with everything you say, but I'm also not a Soulsborne guy. I talk about this on Project X Talk all the time because Tom and Amon like Soulsborne over there. No one's but,
0: perfect. No one's perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh I just don't like feeling frustrated when I play games and that's really a big a turnoff in in this type of game obviously. In terms of just what we saw in the trailer, I thought it looked great. I thought the trailer was fantastic. It looks beautiful. If this wasn't a Soulsborne game, I would be there probably day one to play this. It's got that high fantasy element I really like. It's just the fact that I know I would throw my controller at the wall and I don't want to do that.
0: Same. 100% same. And this is a game that I probably will not be picking up for that same reason Mm -hmm. unless it does come to Game Pass, which I could see. Interestingly, I could see Microsoft wanting this audience and shelling out big money to do so. That said, if they weren't able to get them for their conference, it does seem like it's not likely. Uh, So I respect and understand the logic there. Um, but the game, it, it, really high concept. It was beautiful, beautiful uh, graphically. It looks like it's going to be a true next-gen game, despite it being on Xbox One uh, and PS4 as well. Uh, I'm so happy for this genre of fans, and I, mm-hmm. I, I double down on that because that's kind of what I have to lean back on, but it's a I appreciate it for two reasons. One, fans get to play it, of course, but two, it pushes the genre forward, and that genre has been evolving quite a bit since Dark Souls 1 uh bloodborne's in there dark souls 3 is is often referred to as uh, equivalent or better to bloodborne depending on who you ask Uh, and i'm i like that the elements of it are into other aspects of gaming uh, and and evolving the genre overall
1: yeah so we see we see other companies taking their uh, games and and making them Soulsborne-esque. You know, we had Fallen Order. We have the rumored uh, Final Fantasy Origin game. We had Code Vein. That's a, another B- Bandai Namco on the anime style. So companies see this and understand that there is a big market for this. It, it used to be a very niche genre, but now... I, I would struggle to say that it's, it's a niche genre. People really like Soulsborne games. They like the the challenge that comes with it, the feeling of accomplishment after they successfully do it. And the only thing that got me to try Code Vein because I did try, I have tried these games, so I'm not just being like, oh, they're so hard. Um, was co op, and I see the Elden Ring actually support. It says it supports up to four player co op. Is does that do anything for you, Luke?
0: It only does something for me if it's available in a trial form okay. or Game Pass form. I like this idea of co-op. Again, uh, I, I bought Dying Light specifically so I could play co-op with with Suddy. Uh I and and Joe and Kevin and a few others. And I'm so I'm I'm interested in the idea of co-op. I, that's tends to be my favorite method of playing games with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that is more likely to get me to try the game than it is to put me out of it. So my ears perk a little bit, but it doesn't sell me on the game just yet. But there's plenty of time.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I also struggle to see it hitting uh, January 21st, 2022. As, as yeah. you said, I, I don't want to rain on people's parades. They waited so long. But like, I don't think anybody predicted them to drop a release date yesterday. I think people were suspe- suspecting a trailer, but a release date that Came out of nowhere,
0: right? Agreed. And covet times or not, uh, when you have a huge undertaking like in a game like Elden Ring at the production values you're shooting for, it just seems like you would delay it. God of War has done this, Gotham Knights, mm-hmm. of Infinite, so many other <laughs> precedented examples, uh, for delaying games. And we, I think we would support them, uh, but January it seems soon, it's like seven months, which is which is wild. So, yeah. Years going fast, it, it is, and uh, interestingly enough, and there. The 15th is coming up very quickly. That will be two days after the Xbox showcase, but it will be the first day for Xbox gamers to get their hands on a huge number of Summer Game Fest demos uh, presented by ID at Xbox. Just like last year, ID at Xbox is releasing a a swath of demos for gamers to pick up that they might have typically played on a show floor had there been a conference. Last year, there were like 100 of them. I got to two. Uh, this year they're trimming them down for the week of June fifteenth through the twenty first to forty demos. I love this idea.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. So we over us over at Project X Talk, we actually got media access to E3. Nice. So you're gonna see. In the next couple of weeks, we have uh, indie dev interviews coming up. We have uh, indie dev reviews. We're getting some early access to games, getting some game codes over there. So we're going to be trying to really spotlight some indie developers. Um, So I'm all for this ID at Xbox uh, demo showcase that they're going to do and trying out some more. I think games in more people's hands, especially for indies, is always a good thing.
0: Fully agree with you there. As long-time listeners of XCP will know, I am 100% endorse the, the indie uh, showcases, and that is fantastic to hear. Um, remind people one more time where they can find that Xtalks
1: oh, uh, uh, content. Pro- over at uh, youtube.com uh, slash C slash Project X-talk, uh, Project Xtalk on Twitter.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'm sure myself to be looking there as well because uh, I'm, I'm all there for indie games, and I am setting a goal for myself to play five of them. Uh, I I tend to forget to do that. I know that seems so silly, but I'm thrilled to check a lot of these out. Sable has a lot of people's minds. One that I'm looking forward to in demo or not is the Rift Breaker. I'm going to be reaching out to them, hoping to to chat with them because I'm just thrilled by twin stick shooters and what they're doing with that, watching some dev streams already. Uh, I'm in on it. Tunic has a lot of people's attention. Mm -hmm. Word on the screen is that game is hard as can be. Oh, really? Which which makes me very sad. I wanted just a fun little Zelda fox. Looks like it's going to be tough. I thought it was just
1: Zelda, but with a fox.
0: So oh, I, I think we are in for uh, an awakening as it is. Hmm. Uh, I do want to, before we get out of here, I don't want to spend too much longer, but we did skip over the Battlefield announcement, we'll find out more and talk about it more on the next episode of XCP, but Battlefield 2042 seems to be the way they're going with this one, no campaign, all multiplayer focused, it's $70, everybody should lose their mind to be upset, (laughs) That's that's a ludicrous thing to do uh if you don't want to spend the money don't buy it and if you do awesome and wait until you see more about the game before you condemn it uh, as it were i was really impressed by that battlefield trailer what did you think so
1: battlefield isn't something that i've i don't think i've ever played a battlefield to be honest with you i was a call of duty player yeah I was a Call of Duty player back in the day, and I've since fallen off. Uh, I think Ghost was my last one. So was that 2013 with the Xbox One launch.
0: Dang.
1: Yeah. So I've I've really fallen off those types of military multiplayer shooters. I did watch the Battlefield reveal. I thought the trailer looked sweet. I understand there were some callbacks to uh, old Battlefield games. Um, in terms of the seventy dollars, uh, we talked about this yesterday. Um, because we we saw, I've seen twice this week, people complaining about the price of, of $70 games. One with Battlefield, because it's multiplayer only. And they're like, well, how can you do that? We need single player and multiplayer to be worth $70. And then with Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, where people are like, well, it's only 12 to 20 hours to 100% and get the Platinum and beat the game. That's too short for $70. And I am very much on the side of, Length should not determine value, and everyone has their own internal subjective um, you know, value for games. If someone's going to pick up Battlefield 2042 and put 100 hours into it, they'll be like, okay, I'm satisfied. But they could pick it up, put 10 hours into it, and still feel
0: satisfied. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. It shocks me and surprises me. Uh, When I see people going off the deep end about it and questioning price, I'm always a fan of being (laughs) critical of what you spent your money on your hard earned dollars. Absolutely. But losing your minds over a $10 price increase in a medium that has to sustain itself. Maybe not so much. There are certainly predatory transactions that can take place. There are certainly some that are very forgiving, lots of ways to save money, lots of ways to be uh, put out when it comes to pricing of games, but uh, we don't know enough and particularly in this case. So I think we should uh, pump the brakes a bit. Let's see more of what it has to offer. There are lots of affordable gaming options this holiday, and EA is yep. going to have to compete one way or the other. Uh, yeah. Let's we'll see if they bring their A game. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I really don't want to be misconstrued and be like, oh, people don't have a right to complain about paying $70. $70 is a lot of money. I completely understand it. I just don't think using certain criteria to say a certain game is worth that amount is fair before you've played it, before you've done anything. Like it it just, it boggles my mind.
0: Agreed. Fully agree. Fully agree. Uh, We have two questions that I want to get to real quick and we got to go fast here. We don't actually have to go fast. There's no time limit here. (laughs) Uh, The first one comes from Lord James study who I kind of still hate uh, (laughs) for the, for the vault boy meme. Uh, He said, okay, I feel the hype for E3, but do we think this weekend is getting polluted by too many shows so far? Summer game fest I feel has failed to deliver. Oof, Suddy. Sure, they have some cool announcements, but it drags on, and half the time I'm wondering, what does this have to do with gaming? I'm all in favor of a fair trade show, but why pay to be part of Summer Game Fest or E3 when developers can easily do their own shows uh, on Twitch or YouTube? I'll answer this one first while you postulate, Kevin. Uh, Suddy, I did not think Summer Game Fest failed to deliver uh, by any means. I thought it was a great showing. Uh, all things considered compared to last year. Uh, And I don't necessarily think it's getting polluted. I think we, in a normal E3 event, would have more. Uh, In fact, I remember in 2019, uh, I went from Bethesda. uh, Let's see, no, I went from Xbox's showcase. Then that night we drove to Bethesda. Then the next day there were show floor things. There was Nintendo uh, Treehouse. Uh, And then there are lots of other little things throughout the week. This is fairly standard. I think we're getting a big old chunk of big things happening on Saturday and Sunday, and that is expected, the 12th and 13th. 13th is kind of like my day. Um, I don't think it's too polluted uh, by any means. And for anyone that is feeling fatigued by that, there are a lot of content creators out there, professional and amateur, who are – doing wonderful recaps um and i'm being paid right now to say seasoned gaming (laughs) seasoned gaming porsche power you better give me my money um (laughs) well i I know
1: i know ains too can can i get some of that
0: yeah absolutely he's he's loaded and will always give me money um if i ask or make fun of joe so uh here it is there but yeah I, i don't think it's getting polluted what do you think I don't feel that way. I felt it last summer
1: for sure when there was – it dragged on for months. But I think Summer Game Fest, the kickoff show, exceeded my expectations. I had a good time watching it. Today's events with uh, Koch Media, Koch Media – they don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it.
0: I know. That
1: was an awful event. So that one definitely dragged for me. Um, Agree. Yeah. But tomorrow – what well, we have Ubisoft, and I, I can't even think, maybe it's, I don't have them committed to memory. I know the 13th is a big one for me as an mm-hmm. Xbox Bethesda fan, a Square Enix fan. Mm-hmm. Tuesday's big. I love Nintendo. I love Bandai Namco. But Monday, if you look, if you actually look at the Monday schedule, it's basically a whole day to smaller developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a bunch of, you have an indie stream, and then you have Capcom in there later in the day but I don't really feel that way. I think they're pretty spread out. There's a lot of shorter conferences to go along with the big conferences, and you also don't have to watch everything.
0: Yeah, Suddy, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree with you, Um, and Suddy, he just sucks. I'm just going to double down on that joke uh, right now. But yeah, I I am inclined to agree. I really don't feel like it's over-polluted or anything else. Um, So yeah. I'm looking forward to the rest of E3. Kevin, I want to thank you for joining me on this bonus episode of XEP. It is one of two non-numbered XEP episodes to date. I am thrilled to have had you. Uh, Please, for a third time, let people know where they can find your content, your team's content.
1: Yeah, so you can find us over on YouTube, uh, Project X Talk. Uh, Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Project X Talk. We're on Twitter at Project X Talk. So if you want to follow our actual accounts, stay up to date with all the things we got going on when we post new episodes. Uh, We're live every Thursday on YouTube audio the next day. We have a giveaway going on right now. So if you want to get part of that, go check our uh, podcast for the latest details. And you can find me on Twitter specifically at the Muffinmon. That's uh, one instead of an I and then O instead of an A.
0: There we go. Guys, thank you so much for checking out this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost, X- Xbox Expansion Pass on all your podcast services, and youtube.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass. Enjoy the rest of the E3 presentations. Mm-hmm.